We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about Chapter 88, Citizen Lodge, by Brian E. Patterson, directed by James DeWill. A flashback episode. Sure is. Uh, we get we get a montage from our long-lost Jughead Jones. Not a montage. A voiceover from our long-lost Jughead Jones. I mean, he has a long uh, uh, way to go hitchhiking inside some sort of death truck so he's got time yeah uh he he talks about how you know scarface and tony soprano all got their origin stories they're all ruthless gangsters he mentions zero real gangsters in the world (laughs) hiram lodge is no different and uh except he's real unless this means that tony soprano is a real human being in the world of riverdale like he's in the headlines as a guy and James, Scarface. James Gandolfini does not exist in the world of Riverdale. No. Um, what we are uh, gifted with is a montage of Hiram working out. Yes, yes. Oh boy. This entire episode, especially in, in this opening act, is just Hiram and Reggie. And so we are seeing them starting their day side by side. Hiram is shining his shoes doing his morning push-ups, working out, looking good. He is good. just working out. He's just like straight up. It's how many different ways can we show this man working out shirtless? Until he becomes an incredibly sharp-dressed man. Meanwhile, on the other side, we got Reggie reading a Mighty Crusaders issue mm-hmm. and like falling over in his chair. As he is opening up the car dealership. Yes. Voiceover also talks about like why are the Reggie mantles of the world always drawn to the Hiram lodges like a moth? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reggie is is getting all the car dealership. We see we see his dad. Haven't seen dad in a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Da- Daddy mantle's not dead. The, the most famous child beater in Riverdale. Yes. Yeah, he's still there. Apparently, they are working together at the car dealership. But uh, Reggie needs to leave to do an errand. Uh, which, which his dad does not like, saying, well, that's the shortest shift I ever saw. You better be back by 10. <laughs> uh, so we, we go to Hiram, who's on a call about so, something very personal that he will handle himself. Yeah. Some, Mysterious. Somebody has been found. Will we eventually find out who that is and who found them? Yes. It, yeah. it's, it's that yeah. kind of show. We, we'll know everything soon. Uh, so Reggie comes in. The errand he had was to bring Hiram a suitcase of money to pay off his father's debt. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's it. That makes my dad square. This all-important debt we found out about last week. Yes. Will we find out how this debt was incurred? Probably not. Not this week, at least. Well, I'm pretty sure it was just like his dad used to gamble a lot and he owed a lot of money and he was going to lose the car dealership. Something like that. Yeah. It's very vague. It's not uh, uh, It's not done with any specificity. No. So Hiram's all like, well, what, what does this mean for our arrangement? And Reggie's like, well, I want to keep working for you. But Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, like... But as a partner, he wants room for advancement. He wants, you know, to have his ideas heard. His big, big, good ideas, big brain boy ideas. And Hiram's like, great, but I need you to do me one last favor, and that's, I need you to get me a gun? (laughs) Can you get me a gun? An untraceable ghost gun. 
And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll bring you a gun after I finish my last shift at the car dealership. So apparently Reggie can get a gun while he works his last shift. Apparently he's very talented. You know how you buy a car off the mantle lot? You pay for it with untraceable ghost guns. <laughs> Over at the car dealership, uh, he and his dad are working a sale of a guy trying to buy a car for his teenager, and... Their sales approaches are very different. Uh, Father Marty, the priest, I guess, uh, Papa Marty, his whole thing is, hey, you need to buy your kid a car, otherwise you're a failure as a parent, and don't be cheap, don't be fucking shitty to your kid. And Reggie's is, do you remember your first car? Do Do you remember all the things you did with your car? Like, my first car, her name was Bella. Mm-hmm, what was the name mm-hmm. of your car? He is a car commercial. He's an extra horny car commercial. Yes, because he's like, this is the car that your son is going to go on his first date in. He's going to go to prom. He's going to get laid in this car. Yeah, he, he's saying uh, the quiet part loud because he doesn't have to abide by FTC guidelines, I guess. So then the guy's like, oh, yeah, sure, great. Marty's not like happy he sold a car the no. way he sold a car. He wanted to pay himself the commission? I guess he's very upset at his son's salesmanship closing the deal and uh, just starts berating him for being a bad car salesman because he sells too many cars. So (laughs) Reggie just is like, what you gonna do? Are you gonna punch me? You gonna beat me up like you used to? I'd like to see you try, old man. I would like to see him try too because Reggie's got like 100 pounds on that dude and it's Peter Russell. There's been a time skip. After, like, talking about, like, what you gonna do? Are you gonna abuse me again, father? Mm-hmm. He's like, but we're gonna be partners in the car dealership. It's our dream. Maybe if you want to be partners, you shouldn't be an asshole. So, uh, Reggie, you know, fills him in that he's like, hey, I'm, I'm not working with you anymore. I'm working mm-hmm. for Hiram. And it's by my own choice. Your debt is paid. You're square with him. I'm going because I want to. I'd rather be with a gangster than you. (laughs) Uh, So then Marty goes to Hiram and is all like, leave him alone, Hiram. And he's all like, no. (laughs) Uh -uh. Uh, So Reggie gets Hiram the gun. Yes. And is filled in about how, you know, Marty came to see him. Uh, and he's like, you know, if your girl work for me, you gotta get your house in order. And Reggie's all like, okay. So he goes to his dad, and he's like, you don't get to speak for me anymore. We're done. This show that has I, a cast of dozens. Yes. We've just been following three characters. And yeah. by this point, it is so striking. Like, we're supposed to have eight different teens running their small businesses by now before sunrise. I appreciate that we actually get some Reggie time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some, like, Reggie story development and addressing the fact that his father did abuse him and him, like, telling his dad off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for all of it because that was a thing that was like, yeah... Reggie's getting abused by his dad, but we're not going to talk about it or acknowledge it pretty much ever. We're just going to make you wonder if he survived or not. (laughs) Reggie goes off on him, has a very emotional delivery of of how he's not going to let his dad, you know, punch him down anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Hiram's a better man because as far as he knows, he's not an abuser. Yeah, yeah. He just kills people with Let's guns. talk up Hiram Lodge as the caring family man. Sure, sure. Yeah, you, you go ahead and do that, Reggie. Reggie has some unhealthy opinions on what makes a good father. <laughs> And might really need to talk it through with a therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He he goes back to, to Reggie, or to Hiram, and Hiram's like, well, how did things go with your dad or your father? He's not my father anymore. He's, I'm my own man. He's racked up so much mileage just between these two sets. <laughs> the sun has gone down in the time it's taken him to have all these conversations. Get a phone. Get a telephone, please. And so then Hiram's like, well, your relationship with your father reminds me of my relationship with my father. Let me tell you a tale. Flashback. And this is our title card, right? This is Riverdale, right? Uh, I don't think so yet. I don't know. Maybe. In any case, we now cut back to 1988 in New York City, 33 years ago. And uh, we now have Hiram mm-hmm. as, as a teen. We have teenage Hiram once again, like in the... the uh, Midnight Bre- Club? Like in the Midnight Club episode played by Mark Consuelos' uh, son. While Mark Consuelos is playing his regular character's father, Javier Luna. Yes. Who will, from this point forward, be called Mr. Mustache Man. Mr. Mustache Man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Mr. Mustache Man is a shoe shiner mm-hmm. on the streets of New York. Mm-hmm. And he just got done doing a great little shine on a businessman's shoes. And the business dude is totally a fucking liar who's like, I forgot my wallet. Oh. Like th- this episode, I'll, I have like a whole conclusion planned. But but for now, let me just say that this scene is the river dailiest part of the entire flashback uh, uh, portion of this episode, because the man, instead of paying with cash, pays with a story about minerals and an ingot that he claims is worth $100 if it's worth anything at all. It's like, this is palladium. <laughs> Have you heard of Riverdale? <laughs> the sweet water of Riverdale is filled with palladium if you know where to look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Mustache Man is familiar with this town along the Sweetwater River. And it's like, maybe, maybe that is where I shall seek my fortune and, and strike a rich vein of palladium that I have been paid with. Where do you flip? Pl- I mean, in New York, okay, I guess there, there's you've got like a whole uh, uh, jewelry district. Maybe somebody there deals in not exactly precious but technologically valuable <laughs> minerals. Maybe I think that's when we get the title card. Okay, and this is where we we flash back with you know kind of between times where we get Hiram. Giving Reggie some little snippets. It's Princess Bride. You know, every yeah. once in a while we go we back it. to the storyteller. But most of the action is in the story. Yes. So uh, what we find out is that uh, the palladium idea captivated Mustache Man. Mm-hmm. And so he moved them to Riverdale to an apartment. And apparently there were palladium mines there in Riverdale at the time. An apartment that looks suspiciously like uh, Archie's house's set. Redressed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Javier Luna gets a job in the mines, um, and he worked there for about six months until it collapsed. The mine collapsed. They never found any palladium. What were they mining? 
What were they doing to pay these miners? Well, apparently not much because they shut down and they never reopened after that. And they're just like, okay, this is fine. So he goes back to the old job, but instead of, you know, the old place, he's shining shoes right outside Pop's chocolate shop. And Mama Luna works inside Pop's as a waitress as well. Mm-hmm. And we get a nice little flashback of a little scene of her serving Alice, Fred, uh, FP, and Hermione. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, all played by not normal people. You all remember you the know, Midnight you know Club. How you, it know, works. you know, you know. That's the only time we're seeing Cole Sprouse tonight. He oh, only time. <laughs> only time. <laughs> he came in for the diner scene and booked. <laughs> we get no Casey Cotton in this whole episode either. Nope. nope. Very little KJ. Uh. He gets two scenes. <laughs> Just popping in to say, I know what you're thinking. After the time skip, doesn't that make all the parents around 58 years old in 2021 and therefore 25 in 1988 and around 27 during the events of the Midnight Club? No. It only means that for sure for F.P. Jones, since we're using his 50th birthday as the root of our measurements. Carry on. They got this fancy shoe shine set up outside Pops with like the chairs and everything. And these are the good times because now young Jaime and his father Javier, they're partners in shoe shining. And quote, I was polishing just as many shoes as my father, said with pride as the two of them are in business together. And, and we get uh, like a guy who plays the whole like, you did an awful job, I'm not going to pay you and storms off. And Hiram, or Jaime... Wants to go, like, beat the shit out of him. Yes. And Javier Mustache Man's like, no, no, no. 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 It's not worth it, my boy. This is not the, the way of the honorable shoe shine. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, he he shines someone else, and that dude's like, gives him, like, a huge tip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he gives him, like, a hundred, and, and Jaime's like, I can't break this. And he says, okay, keep it then, kid. And if you uh, need extra work, come see me. Yeah. Come see me at Cucina Sucasa, the most Italian name for a restaurant. And Javier's like, no, no, don't (laughs) do that, my son. That's a gangster. And Jaime's like, I will go see the gangster. And so he does go see the gangster. And he says, hey, Mr. Gangster, I would like job, please. Money, money and respect. And he's like, it's not respect. It's fear. Then I want to be feared, too. (laughs) it's so theatrical it's so stagey well and really what kicks him to like go do this is he tries to ask Hermione out on a date and she's like no I can't go out on a date with you because you shine shoes Uh, my mom said and he's like your mom changes sheets at the hotel how are we any different she's like she just wants better for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's when he's all like Gangster man, monies, <laughs> money, respect. Oh, it's not respect; it's fear. fear. I'll have money, that fear. too. Yes. Please and thank you. The dialogue in this scene is so stiff in a presentational way. It, it feels like that that wave of theater, like sev- six characters in search of an author. Like yeah. I represent this, and here is my purpose. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, gangster man mm-hmm. is like yes. Great, you're going to be a delivery boy. Go deliver this stuff. starting now. No interview, just go. So he does, and he goes to make this delivery, and the dude's like, well, who's this delivery from? It's from Vito. 
And Lewis, uh, the, the guy who's taking the delivery, uh, explains racism. This is the first time <laughs> young Jaime Luna has experienced racism in his life. Apparently. He, he gets sort of the whole, oh yeah, you people work twice as hard for half as much sort of thing. He, he gets a little stereotyping thrown his way and he's like, that doesn't feel good. I do not like this man. And then he goes back to Gangster Man and is like, he made comments to me that I felt bad about. About my ancestry and origins. What is, what is this? He's like, yes, that was racism, son, but you kept your cool. You have making of good gangster. Don't worry about Lewis. He's a <laughs> jerk and we all hate him. And uh, his father comments on, like, you know, his nice shoes and stuff. And he's like, oh, yes, father, I got a new job. He sees the world through shoes. And there's a few times this crops up and it kills me every time. These fancy shoes. Like, those are very fancy for a delivery boy. You'd think you want, like, sneakers or something. You want walking shoes for a delivery boy. And uh, Hiram's voiceover is all like, you know, with money. I got confidence. And then he struts into school with his leather jacket straight up to Hermione and is all like, you know, let me buy you dinner at Pops. And she's all like, no, until she looks at him and sees his new outfit. Because he's been asking her out every single day. Yes. It's like something out of the fucking notebook. She finally says... Yes. Because he bought a shiny brown leather jacket. Yes. And so they have a date at Pops, and he plays it so cool by saying, Hey, babe, order anything on the menu. Don't worry about it. Order the whole menu. Dude, a burger is a buck twenty-five. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, yeah, high roller. You can get the fries and the onion you rings. You guys went to Pops. Like, not that <laughs> that's a bad thing, but, like, I feel like if you want to be like, Ooh, I'm big Mr. Money Man. If you want to flex the wad in your pocket, don't go somewhere that serves breakfast 24 hours. Don't go to the place that you all go to all the time, even when you didn't have money. Also, is it a little weird to go on a date with your place mom where works? your mom might be your server and your dad is outside? <laughs> He has strong ties to his family. This episode is all about strong ties to family and perhaps a, a proper respect for the chaperone system. Yeah. Well, while they're there in the booth, he, he's telling her about how, you know, he got another job mm -hmm. uh, and who he's working for. And she's like, the gangster. No, the businessman. Ah. Yeah. Uh, this is a distinction that Hiram will have later in life. And then... Young Pop comes by to take their order. Yes, I think he was also in the Breakfast Club. I'm pretty in, sure. Midnight Club? I yeah. do it every time. Every time. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. They, they you know, get their little order. They talk about like, well, if you made it out of Riverdale, where would you go? What would you do? And he's like, I'd get a penthouse in New York City. And she's like, oh, I want to live in Manhattan. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then their date is interrupted by the cops coming in to arrest him. I kind of wish it was the guy that plays Tom Keller coming and playing Grandpa Keller. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. But, but Grandpa Keller, we don't know that he was a cop. We don't. We could so find out. We could find know. out. He was probably killed in the war. In the war! Which war? The war! The war! So Jaime gets taken 
uh, to the police station for the first time in his life. And he's like, hey, we can get you out of here, toot sweet lickety split. All you got to do is say where you got the drugs from. Because they got pictures of him delivering a pack of drugs to Louis the Racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but he says nothing. He says nothing to nobody. So, so he gets thrown behind bars again. Meanwhile, Hermione goes to the gangsters about him. And he's all like, hey, he's in trouble. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. the gangsters, Vito, bails them out. Teens walking right up to powerful gangsters and making demands of them is a long and storied tradition in the town of Riverdale. Yes. It goes back generations. Yes. He, he gets bailed out. And what does he do first? He goes to see Vito. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vito's like, you didn't talk. You didn't call anyone. You did good, kid. Didn't Here, he- have a glass of wine. I know you're 16, but you're already dealing drugs for me, so it's totally fine. Drink the wine. This is the least illegal thing I'm going to do today, kid. (laughs) He's like, so here's the deal. No more deliveries. You're now collecting. That puts you in the inner circle. And then he gives some life advice of, you know, you didn't call your family because you're worried about what they think. No, no, no. You've got to be your own man and not worry about others. Also, go date that girl. She's hot. Well, he says she has a good head on her shoulders, and that she looks out for him. And But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, and I got a bonus for you, which will help you get the girl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Reggie pulls up to school and is like, hey, our date got interrupted. Let's go out again and finish it. And Hermione's like, that is a fucking bad idea. <laughs> Until he flashes his new car keys. Ooh. And I just say, ooh. ooh. So what do they do? They go sit outside Pops. They get takeout. They, they just order from the window. He can see his parents. His mom probably dropped off the food on roller skates. His parents haven't seen him since before he went to jail. But he is hanging around their place of business. <laughs> So they're having a nice romantic uh, conversation about their future. Jaime Luna's future is in ditching that name entirely to be his own man, who's a break with the past, not tied to, to some boot black who picked up his family to mine something that doesn't even exist. So he's like, so I'm thinking of changing my name, and I'm thinking Hiram Lotz. And she says, fuck that. You should be Hiram Lodge. And he says, yes. And she says, blowjob. And he says, double yes. And so they make out in the convertible with the top down. With <laughs> in his front parents. of his mother. And probably his dad. Who's like, we're going to have such a talk when you get home. <laughs> uh, so then. So then he I goes home no, and they doesn't. have a huge talk. No, he doesn't. He goes to school. <laughs> He goes to school where there is the roll call. And And so, yes, this is KJ Apo's one line for the week. He says, here. Here. And she's like, hi, May Luna. No, no, no. My name is Hiram Lodge. And she's like, okay, take it. You filled out the appropriate paperwork for this. Yes. It's on file in the courthouse right now. (laughs) His parents are putting out like a missing persons notice. So, so, uh, Marty Mantle makes a comment from the back of the class that's like, Lunar or Lodge, you will still be shining my old man's shoes. Mm-hmm. Meh. And so, before, again, he goes home. Later in the school day. He goes to find Marty Mantle and, in the shop class. And his unnamed friend and beats their ass. And he's like, 
What's my name? Say my name. <laughs> and he's like, Hiram Lodge. He's like, don't forget it. Every episode that features Reggie's dad, no matter who plays him, must have him get his teeth kicked in. It's the law. <laughs> so then Hiram finally goes home. <laughs> and are his parents like, hey, let's talk about you going to jail. No, no, no. They're like, we got a call from your principal. What's this uh, I hear about you fighting at school, young man? <laughs> and you going by a new name? Not the arrest for drug trafficking. That's not the issue here, son. That you have changed your name and beat up boys. Uh, so Javier, Mr. Mustache Man, goes into him about how, you know, working for Vito is gonna cost him everything and he has brought shame on the family. And Hiram's like, well, good thing I'm not a Luna anymore. Yeah, you want to talk about shame? You, you uh, talk a big game about your, your noble pursuits and your honorable wage, but you can't buy Mama Dishwasher. The shoeshine man can't even buy new shoes. The tragic irony. He's very obsessed with shoes. <laughs> so then Javier goes to Vito and is like, leave my son alone. He, good boy. He's a good boy. And Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Oh, you're a good boy. Oh, you're a good boy. You do twice as much work for half the pay. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, good boy. And Vito's all like, no, I'm not going to do that. And Your son Hiram, can make his own decisions. Er, He's like, what, 14? Javier's all like, I think you misunderstand me. I am not asking. I am telling you. And he's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm thinking, okay, here's where I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, man, Javier's going to, like, like poison him with, like, shoe polish and, like, <laughs> strangle him with a shoelace yes, and, like, crazy yes. shit. No, no, no. He's like, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to tell them everything. About your dirty business. I'm like, that's not very exciting, Javier. Uh, and this is one of the points where we cut to the present, you know, the, the telling of this story. And Hiram has this single manly tear streak down his, his cheek as he describes his father's, like, commitment to, to belief that we are all fundamentally good inside. Yes, and he is, he's like, he was wrong! <laughs> so then we go back to Javier outside Pops in the morning as, as, as Pop is coming in and they're mm -hmm. greeting each other about how it's going to be a good day. Javier's like, I can feel it. It will be a good day. Now, Pop Tate has told a lot of stories about the history of his restaurant. A lot of dark and twisted tales. Uh -huh. He never mentioned the fucking mob hit in the parking lot that he witnessed with his own two eyes. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> because Javier is shot up by gangsters in a car in a drive-by, mm -hmm. and Pop is the one to rush to his side as he dies in the parking lot. Like fucking Tommy guns out of a Studebaker, the whole shebang. Yes, as the oranges he was carrying in roll <laughs> across the parking lot. Pop never talks about this. He it never was... talks about the fact that it is not the first shooting that happens no. at the diner when he is robbed. <laughs> when, when Fred gets shot? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, don't worry, Archie, I know what to do. I took a class in how to, like, treat gunshot wounds after that first time. After, yeah, yeah. After your friend's dad or girlfriend's dad at this point, I forget. But <laughs> Ooh. Then we, we cut to uh, Hiram being shown the body mm -hmm. by Dr. Curdle. Yes, yes. Just like all the regular cast, even the fringe cast, we have the guy that plays Dr. Curdle Jr. playing Dr. Curdle Sr. Uh, at the morgue. You don't see his face, but 
Uh, if you're a big curdle head like me, you recognize the name oh, yeah. in the credits. Oh, I recognize <laughs> the body type. I was like, that is definitely a Dr. Curdle. Hey, it could be me. I could be Dr. Curdle yes, Jr.'s stand-in. Yes, you could. So it is so, funeral time. Yeah, th- that was one bit in, in like a silent montage between the death and the funeral. Now we're at the funeral and uh, we, we get more of... We get the young ladies. None of the young men are invited, but all the... the we get Penelope and... Alice. And Alice and Hermione. Yes. And they're, they're around... Everyone is like wishing the best and, and giving their condolences yes. to to uh, Hiram and his mother. Yes, uh, Mrs. Gomez, Hermione's mom, mm-hmm. goes up to Hiram and his mother and is like, "You know, he was a very good man." He's like, "Yes, yes, he was for a lowly shoeshine man." <laughs> I know what you told your daughter. She she is rightly put in her place. Yes, but but yeah, well, welcome back to the show, Marisol Nichols. It's been quite some time. Yes. Now yes. guest star uh, after departing from her position as a regular. So the the girls are are chatting. Alice mentions how you know Hiram seems so calm about everything, mm-hmm. and uh, Penelope makes a comment about how you know well he was just playing with fire. Your boyfriend is a gangster. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he's not. He's a businessman. Oh. Their whole future is laid out here in high school. Yes. Everyone's greatest fear, actually. <laughs> uh, so Vito comes in and offers his condolences. Mm-hmm, and is mm-hmm. all like, you know, you you take the time you need. You be there for your mother. Like, I'll, we'll, we'll be there when you're ready. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, the this story, if it hasn't been clear to you listening, by this point it's very clear watching that this is the tale of... One of those classic tales of a, a young man torn between two fathers, right? And that is paralleled. Reggie is also supposed to be in the same position, uh, even though he's like 14 years older at this point than Hiram is in this story he's telling. Yes. So uh, in in this moment mm-hmm. of Vito leaving after offering his condolences, you know Hiram's going to kill him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what I automatically think, too, is Reggie going to kill Hiram? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, like, in it is very unusual, not unheard of, but unusual for, you know, a tale of two fathers to be resolved by one murdering the other. This is, that's not how it goes between Jorel and Jonathan Kent. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, Hiram's home with his mother, and, and she's all like, promise me you'll be done with this nasty business. And he's like, I promise you. I will, because I'm going to kill people. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go kill some people, Mom. So he resolves to uh, tender his resignation, one might say, by going back to the Italian restaurant down in the city alongside the an elevated subway track. Yes. Um, but Vito is not there. But that doesn't stop him. He pulls out his gun and he kills everyone else. Yeah, v- Vito's three boys. Uh, one, I must assume, is Grandpappy Poutine. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so... He's splattered in blood like a spirograph. Yes. Uh, and, uh, in present day, Hiram tells Reggie that, you know, he never found out why Vito wasn't there that night, but he made the point. Mm-hmm. And Vito never showed his face again. And then we go back to young Hiram coming home, still splattered in blood. But he got takeout. He got milkshakes from Pops. It's it's like the old adage says, when you go seek revenge, buy two milkshakes. One for you and one for your mother. So Hiram's got this thing 
about, like, not coming home. So I want to know how many other errands did he do before picking (laughs) up those milkshakes while covered in blood before Mm -hmm, coming mm -hmm. home? Well, he had to drop off the dry cleaning, clearly. He was still wearing it, though. (laughs) No, the other dry cleaning. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so then he goes uh, to to Lewis mm-hmm. uh, to be all like, I'm the new Vito. And Lewis says, okay, you have an English person's name now, so I'm going to be nice to you. Here's my niece. <laughs> he is now new boss. Boss fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the, the fight is already won. Yeah. It, it's uncontested title. Uh, so we are still in the flashback, but we get to a middle point where Hiram is again Mark Consuelos. Yes, and he is getting his shoes shined by a young boy outside Pops. Because apparently the shoe shine business is very good in Riverdale and we keep it going at least through the 90s. Longer than you'd expect, up to uh, up to the infancy of our usual characters. Cause, yes. Because that's where he's going, uh, uh, to, to meet his wife and newborn baby Veronica. And that's when she's all like... You know, it's time, Hiram. It's time for us to do what we said we would do for the good of our little girl. So let's move to New York City. That's where we should raise this infant. Not not in this pleasant little hamlet uh, on the outskirts of the city, but in a penthouse overlooking the park. But hey, I, I guess if you can afford it, go for it. So Reggie, as current day Hiram, what brought you back to Riverdale? Palladium. It's yeah. the palladium. It's the fucking palladium, you and asshole. He's like, My father was correct about it, but he was looking in the wrong place. I built the prison over the palladium so I could do whatever I want with inside the walls of the prison mm-hmm. to get that palladium. But, you know, things didn't go very well. He tapped out the thin vein he had. However, he knows where that fucking fat veiny strike is. It's under the blossom uh, uh, orchards. The maple grove. Yeah. So he needs to get that so he can finish what his father started. So he can have money. He can have respect. He can have it all. He can have his father's dream. It's not often that I can say the Palladium represents his father. Yep. (laughs) But today is one of those days, and I'm going to relish the chance. And so Reggie's like, you have it all. He's like, what do you mean? You have money. You have respect. What more could you want? He's like, I need you to drive me somewhere. (laughs) I have one last thing to do. What I need is a ride. I'm... So I can go kill a man. It's the last thing I want. My legs cramp up. You know, it's it's no good. I, I need your help, Reggie. So he needs to go take care of Vito. He has found out that Vito is in a nursing home and he wants that motherfucker to die. Yep, yep. His entire adult life has been looking for Vito. Yep. And he's finally got him cornered. And so, like, again, in one of the most terrifying Hiram scenes, like, he's great when his opponent is powerless. Those are the best Hiram moments. And, like, I know this dude's in a nursing home and he's definitely, like, physically in bad shape. But I have to say, he looks pretty good for it being 30 (laughs) years later. (laughs) He's a lot grayer, and that's about it. Uh, So Hiram pushes, you know, the nurse call button away from him. He's all like, you remember when we first met, I said I wanted to be feared like you. Are you afraid of me? 
It's so good. It's so good. And then he puts a pillow over the guy and pulls his gun and shoots him. Says some scary ass shit in Spanish about Adios, like, Vito. Well, like after yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Without friends in life, without friends in death, or something to that effect in Spanish, and it sounds cool as shit. And he just <laughs> shoots him through the pillow, one shot dead. It's so fucking cool. And this is why you should remember, if you ever need to, to choose a, a nursing home, always check the murder rate. It's one of the least understood statistics in, in this process. Yeah. So uh, Reggie's giving him, you know, his ride home. And he's like, you know, I really, I really want to thank you, but I won't be needing your services anymore. And Reggie's like, tonight. Well, yeah, I figured. I figured this was like the last thing we were doing tonight. Technically, this is already tomorrow's services. It's fine, boss. <laughs> He's like, no, like completely. You're you're done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Reggie's like, but no, I want this. I want to work for you. And he's like, you don't see it. If I could go back and spend a few more years with my dad, I would. But, but, but you should do that too. Let me stop uh, you here, boss. You had a good dad. It's different. Let's talk about how my dad was very abusive and beat the shit out of my mother and me, and is a very manipulative asshole. But Hiram's not having any of that. He says, quote, give give him one more chance. Or don't. <laughs> or just like go live your life somewhere else. But like, the, I'm I'm giving you an out. The Take it. The pause after give him one more chance was just long enough for me to think, Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> or don't. Really, I'm just sick of you. I don't want you around anymore. You pick the worst radio stations when we're on our dries. I hate the smell of your hair product. Just go away, Reggie Mantle. So I can appreciate though this like, I okay, I don't appreciate the whole like give your dad another chance part. Not that. But this or don't, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you have an out. It's there's definitely a part of Hiram that wishes he didn't go the gangster route. Yeah, yeah. That wishes he did not go down this path. You don't see that very often from him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, like, Give your dad one more chance or don't is an invitation or really more of a command to be your own man. Don't be me. Yeah. Uh, uh, if if you follow me, you're, you're going to be an even shittier guy because you won't be good at it, for one. Or maybe Hiram's <laughs> just worried that Reggie's going to kill him if he sticks <laughs> around much longer. <laughs> Could be that. But yeah, I mean, just look at... The parallels, you know, their dad's going to the gangster to say, let him go. He's a good boy. Actually, mm-hmm. my son sucks, but let him go anyway. Uh, so Reggie goes to the car lot and his dad's there and they, they have a moment of Marty apologizing and that he's ashamed that he never did right by him. And he wants to finally start and, and like, and so Reggie says, hey, you got pretty good timing, old man. I'm gangster fired. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, you know, we, we can try this. Like, you just, you got to trust me. You got to trust my ideas sometimes. I have good ideas sometimes. Press X to doubt. Uh, and so they, they hug and I'm kind of like, uh, Reggie. You deserve better, Reggie. You deserve better. Mantle and son, Carlot, is up and running equal partners. Hooray. Meanwhile, alone in his luxury apartment. Oh, the best. Hiram is eating a pint of ice cream, watching The Real Housewives. Checking up on his ex-wife the only way he knows how, by seeing how Bravo wants her presented to maximize ad revenue. (laughs) 
it's, it's you know, uh, Hermione's there talking to Veronica uh, about uh, how, you know, her friends were very shocked she would consider going to visit her ex-husband's crime-infested hellhole of Riverdale. So the whole world just knows. This is national television. Everybody knows that Hiram Lodge is a gangster crime mayor. Yeah. And that the town is a hellhole. Yes. Hermione does ask Veronica, like, oh, how's your father? And he's very like, oh, let me set down my pint of ice cream. I must pay attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you know, I only hear from him when he wants to cause trouble. And then they talk about how Hiram's problem is he's, he's never satisfied. He's never satisfied with what he has. He could have quit seven years ago. He could have walked away and, and, and been a family man. And that's when Veronica's like, wait. Was he ever really sick? <laughs> and he pauses it because he gets a phone call. And I don't hear that. We don't get to find out what the reply to that is. <laughs> but this phone call confirms a few things. Number one, Hermosa still exists and is working for him. In fact, Hermosa is the one who finally... Uh, tracked uh, down Vito. Tracked down Vito and, and gave him the tip for, for tonight's murder errand. Yes. You know, he's all like, I've... Re- you know, avenged your grandfather. And when I have mined all the palladium, I'll get back everything I've else I've lost too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And staring at Hermione and Veronica. Yes. In a very creepy manner. I will buy them back with semiconductors. And that's the end that's of the it. episode. Darling, what did you think of chapter 88, Citizen Lodge? <laughs> I enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as the Midnight Club. No. This wasn't a funny episode. This wasn't fun. This, this is my very thing. serious. This is my thing. This is a very good episode of a different show. Yes! It's very much a different show. I appreciate that we spent time on two characters, but we never do that, so it's really weird. There is a world where Riverdale is a surprisingly dark crime drama about the Archie characters uh, of all things, but doesn't have the the absurdity, the wild swings that we love Riverdale for. Yeah. That is a world where we are Riverdale viewers, but Sex Archie, the show, does not exist. Yeah. This is, it was very strange. This is a peek into that world. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm glad that we spent time with Reggie. Mm -hmm, I'm glad mm -hmm. Reggie got a place in all this, because I feel like especially... Since the jump forward, he's been very much just a pawn that's been kind of shoved around for other characters' yeah, agendas. He's been doing a very Riverdale thing, which is being a lot of fun to watch for actor choices. Yeah. It's not necessarily all there on the page. Yes. Though I don't necessarily like the fact that he went back to be with his abuser dad. Yeah. That yeah. that feels wrong and feels like the wrong place to go. I would have much preferred the he took the out and just been like, yes, I am my own man. I don't need a father figure who is unhealthy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in any way. If you've got such good ideas, you don't need to be selling cars at your dad's business, even if it is now 50% your business. Yeah. Yeah. They He could have gone back, but that conversation should have gone in a completely different way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It very yeah. much felt like a different show. Who is it? Who wrote it? Is it people who've written stuff before? Oh yeah, absolutely. Credited writer for this episode. It, it is one of his thirty-nine writing credits on Riverdale. <laughs> uh, Brian Patterson is also one of the the uh, main producers of the more recent seasons. Ah. Has he written any other ones that also didn't feel like the show? <laughs> He wrote the episode where uh, uh, they rescue Cheryl from conversion therapy, which is maybe the most Riverdale episode. 
Weird. Very <laughs> weird. I guess he just wanted to stretch his his style a little. Yeah, yeah. I guess what I should be saying is that I love this episode for being different, for trying something new. That's what I always say I want. But maybe I appreciate this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it's definitely one that's going to stick in the memory. It does stand out, and I like a lot of the parts of it. But, again, the river dailyest thing is a guy saying... Oh, I don't happen to have my wallet on me. Have $100 worth of palladium and some insider information on where to get more. Which then, like, which then mapped out the rest of this young teenager's life. Yes. (laughs) That's the good stuff. That's the Riverdale shit right there. Yeah. I don't, like, feel like I have any predictions based on this. Yeah, yeah, it didn't add a lot of new information to from which to judge, so I'm just gonna, like, stay on last week's. <laughs> I guess, if it, like, this just confirmed more of us talking before about how Hiram's after the Maple Grove. Yeah, yeah, on this round of prediction betting, I'm gonna check and, and wait to, to raise later. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we know? So yeah, let's go ahead to what we know about next week's episode, Chapter 89, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, <laughs> straight up named for the 1992 Quentin Tarantino breakout smash. Uh, one, one of the most successful and influential, really, independent films of its era. Like it or not, those are objective facts one cannot deny. So what I like about this name is that the trailer mm-hmm. opens on Uncle Frank saying, there's a dog fighting ring. Yeah, they're going really literal with it, one, one should think, uh, watching the trailer. So there's barely a dog fighting ring. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the weirdest intro to a trailer because it really seems like some clip should have came before it. <laughs> it seems orphaned, yeah, at the top. But some more complete information we glean from the trailer. Uh, someone is coming at Betty with a chainsaw. Uh, Tabitha comes up with the idea that they should lure trucker- truckers in by having, I guess, like a strip show in the yeah. White Worm in the basement of Pops. Everyone knows that the criminal truckers love a floor show. That is her that is her way to help Betty find her sister. Betty's still looking for her sister, remember? Yes. We've spent a lot of time doing other things. Um Archie also pummels someone's head in with their his foot. Yeah, yeah. And Veronica and Reggie uh, start a plan to go after Hiram's uh, investors. Go after meaning what? Are, are we, like, hunting them? Are, are we just trying to get their money to us instead of to Hiram? Time shall tell. Uh, and Cheryl is talking to some dude in her chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, in her vestments. She has full yes. robes and a stole and everything. Is it JJ? Is it Kevin? Is it someone entirely different? I can't tell. We see it's the, a dude. It's the back of a man's head, and she is saying something. She's being dismissive about something being a little too much. Yep, that's what we know. The, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There'll be dogs, chainsaws, floor dancing. Sh- floor show, yeah. Do you think this floor show will just have like a straight-up song? They're going to sing, right? Yeah, it, it's going to be yeah. the musical number for the week. The one we yeah. have every two to three weeks, there's a musical number. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's what we know. Like, uh, these episodes go a little shorter when things aren't entirely bug-fuck nuts. They're they're just, like, steamy, broody crime drama. Yes. Very stagey, though. Like, it's very... This episode is very, very presentational, essentially. Yeah, yeah. If it weren't for people just going back and forth from set to set to set to set, 
this would feel more like a play than a television episode. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It we was so weird. We can't hammer the symbolism of shoes in enough. The sh- <laughs> the dad respects the shoes. He understands the shoes. If if we're talking about shoes, we're talking about dad. Do you get it? Do you get that? Also, the palladium is the father. <laughs> Do you get that? Do you get it? All of Hiram's problems are daddy problems. Yes. That's all it is. The title and the initial Jughead narration force a comparison to Citizen Kane. And I don't know why. Like, that film is also about, you know, following a a powerful man through his life and trying to figure out what makes him tick. But the thing about Citizen Kane is... It's open-ended. It's multiple choice. People, Different people have different perspectives. And with the big reveal, that is not an answer that, oh, he was talking about his sled. It is instead like a prompt from which to begin your discussions that you have with other people as you walk to, to your car after seeing the film. But with Citizen Lodge, it's it's his fucking dad. Case closed. It's, it's dad stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But thank you for joining us on this uh, uh, a little bit later and a little bit shorter than average uh, uh, episode of Sex Archie. I still have a lot of fun talking about this episode. Yeah. 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 And I hope you had a lot of fun listening to us do the talking that I enjoyed. But if you didn't, I kind of already had my fun. So like, nah, go screw off. You say I'm rude to our listeners. Go screw off and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. (laughs) Tell your friends and family. Yeah, screw them too. That's a term of endearment, right? That's a nice thing people say. Go screw off. I guess it's encouraging. All like, right. Have fun. Have fun. Have a time. This <laughs> went a lot of places in a very short amount of time. Yeah, so did Hermione's feelings for, for young Jaime. Well, you know, when you get that leather jacket. It's so squeaky. Ooh. It's so squeaky. He must be so hot. <laughs> That's what she was saying, yeah! So sweaty! Oh, yeah, when she was done with him. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie... Was he ever really sick? 